0: the
1: youthscape podcast podcast. hello and welcome to another edition of the youthscape podcast with me martin saunders and
0: rachel gardner that was very dismissive oh sorry that's
1: all i need out of you for now (laughs) um today i'm gonna have to be very much in control of (laughs) of the studio because i feel it's a good job i'm not intimidated by strong don't
0: sound intimidated independent
1: women um, more on that later but for the moment if you could just if we could just go back to the 1970s and you could just be quiet. So um, so yes this is the youthscape podcast and right. every you
0: know don't oh, need you, don't need you tuning in for the first time is be horrifying this happens okay, to me okay. every time every time I try
1: and speak and you just come riding in and just go over the top oh, of everything I say. I'm not that's I'm true. a strong confident man it's fine. This is the Youthscape podcast. And every week we talk about youth ministry, Rachel and I together, mainly Rachel, and uh, don't <laughs> laugh, you're, you're, you're interrupting right, me. I'm
0: just slightly shocked, slightly ab- appalled, and slightly pitying you as well. So carry on, Martin, this, keep going.
1: I'm having a bit of a crisis here.
0: Right, so for anyone that's tuned in for the first time ever, welcome to the Youthscape podcast. We are a little bit of a car crash most Monday mornings, but more so today because it's Bank Holiday Monday and we are sat in a studio, and Martin is now like just he's died in the car. I have been vanquished! (laughs) Anyway, Martin, come back into the space because we have a very exciting guest today.
1: Yeah, we were only really joking. That was like a drama role play. <laughs> it was like a role play exercise where I play like a, a terrible emblem of the patriarchy.
0: Oh, right, okay. That was and what I, I was doing. And I think we've just demonstrated that Bank Holiday Monday is a crazy day. Now, so all it's, bets it's are off. all crazy. And I'd like to ask you, Martin, on a Bank Holiday Monday, do yes. you ever do any work with young people?
1: Oh, do that's a good question. <laughs> sort of a, sort of like in my spare time. Yeah, in your spare time. Extra so spare time. So back holiday
0: Mondays, do they tend to be days that are ripe for youth ministry or do we tend to... Because it's a bit of a bug, bent, but bug thingy of mine. So a bug thingy? A bug thingy. You're a bug it the first bear. Time. Yeah. A bug bunny. A bug bunny of mine. Bugs bunny. Bugs bunny of mine. <laughs>
1: this is in many ways your bugs bunny. Yes,
0: we've got the guests up between us. Let's try and sound intelligent. Right, okay. So I, for me, I'm a little bit like, in, in kind of church life in general, Bank Holding Monday is one of those tricky days, isn't it? Because we tend to all like slip into family time yeah but actually for many of us we might have other halves who are working or we might be doing parenting on our own or we might have young people who actually don't really want to be with their families on bank holidays it's one of those tricky days isn't it where actually could we be doing this differently so well i
1: i think this plays into the wider conversation about holidays yeah and how often not always youth ministry shuts down at the very time when young Mm. people are most available so usually clubs and sports things and all, all that stuff doesn't, they don't run mm. in school holidays and on bank holidays and and yet that's also the time that we often take a break. Now there's good reasons for that, especially if you have got a family and actually mm. you want to have family time and so on, but it is a bit of a challenge, isn't it? It, it is. should actually we be trying to uh, sometimes specifically focus on those days as great gathering points, as great mm. moments where young people actually don't have anything else on and would be up for... Uh, some sort of activity Mm. so I don't know what the answer is it's a
0: challenge isn't it so if you do as a church of your youth ministry if you do more stuff over the holidays we'd like to do some podcasts about that actually do you ramp up your youth ministry and your programs around bank holidays, around holidays. And if you do, how do you staff that? How do you resource that? What does that look like for the rest of your youth ministry? That would be great, but-
1: Interesting challenge.
0: We have sat between us, bless her, the excruciating opening of you and I managing. Yeah, it was great, that was brilliant, it was the best yet. But Lucy, you are so welcome to the podcast. Hello. (laughs) Do you want to be here? I found myself here and
2: I'm I'm quite happy.
1: This is Dr Lucy Shuka, who is uh, I, I don't want to mansplain who you are, but you are the head of that research. That is my name,
2: it's just true. It's you a are, sort of that a is fan, your name. So I don't take that as mansplaining. Thank I you. I feel like it.
1: the next half an hour is going to be very difficult
2: for me. I I think let's just roll back on that expectation. We're friends. Yeah. We're colleagues. Yes. Yeah. And, and it's we're and just having a friendly chat. That's what you told me. We're just having a friendly chat.
1: This conversation right? would have played very differently 20 years ago. <laughs> Uh, I would have felt in charge
0: would you? probably not no, no probably I don't was. think so anyway, you are. I think you are probably the newest member of staff for the Youthscape team is that right? I, I think, think so I think so
2: I'm coming up for three months
0: fantastic
2: um, so I started work at the beginning of February
0: um, and we've had um, Phoebe Thompson on the uh, Phoebe Hill. Gosh, she's been married a few years yeah. I've completely forgotten her surname. Phoebe Hill recently talking about research. And Lucy, mm. you've come in and taken over the role as director of I the have. research at Youthscape. And Phoebe is working with you yes. for about 10 minutes a week, I think, isn't <laughs> she? She's doing her PhD. <laughs> yeah. She's yeah, amazing. Yeah, yeah, yeah.
2: Um, but she's there for the important things. Like um, yesterday when we had to um, say goodbye to a member of staff, she was there to reenact a scene from The Sound of Music with me. Fantastic. Where we did, um, yeah, we, we pretended to be... <laughs> There's the various bond trap children, <laughs> and I haven't known Phoebe for very well, for very long, but I think it's those sorts of things that make a you realise that I this is know. a smart woman. Yes. Yeah, um,
1: this is what we do. This is kind of hard hitting stuff. This is why, if you're if you're listening and you're one of the key funders of the Youthscape Centre for Research, <laughs> this is where your money's going. Reenactment of Roger and Hammerstein musicals.
0: And it's lovely to think that actually I think two of the most brilliant people in the organisation—that's what they do when they get together. It's wonderful, a wonderful moment. Did Rogers so and
1: Hammerstein write the sound of music? I'm think, losing confidence. I think
0: they did, but I'm, did
1: I'm guessing
2: your listeners will correct us very quickly if that is. Mark I feel the case. like so I feel like they wrong? did.
1: No, well they did the King and I. That's definitely so They Rogers Probably did. And <laughs> Hammerstein. And so I think it's oh, of the same ilk.
2: I'm just imagining the opening scenes now, and I'm pretty sure I can read those words. Although it might just be projection. I don't
0: know. What are we meant to be talking about? We're
2: talking about research. Oh yeah. What?
0: That's what we're talking
2: about. And so, so yes, I've taken over from Phoebe. Yeah. You were that's what I sorry, I ticked that off in a in a crazy place. Um Phoebe's now doing half a day a week being the editor of the story, which is our research digest. Um which has kind of the latest trends and statistics and research from the youth work world. And everyone can get that for free. By yeah, the way, you can. yeah. You, you just need to go onto the YouthScape website and uh, you can sign up there to receive the story for free. And if you email us, we might even drop you a hard oh, copy in the post. Nice. And that's quite exciting because um, it's, if you've ever tried to open the story, you'll realise it's, um, you can get it that's open, crazy. but closing it again. Is a te- it's a test of your it's like a clever
1: fold it's a zine it is, is a zine it is. yeah and it, and it folds it unfolds into eight panels in a strange way yes and then you can never remember how it yeah. folded but
2: that's fine because the inside is has um, a scope of kind of statistics around a different theme so why would you want to close it again it Once becomes a open it's a poster, and, it's a poster yeah. and you stick it up on your wall um and you have immediately got there in your kind of office or your shed or wherever you've youth work bases. Yeah. Some really helpful stats on a on thing, whether it's mental health or family or um, uh, young people on social media. So yeah, so Phoebe's doing that and I've <coughs> picked up everything else around mm-hmm. research for the other, uh, the four days a week I work. And I think
0: would you say it'd be fair to say that actually the last few years we as the youth ministry community are getting really excited about research mm. there's been some brilliant bits of research that come out of youthscape and youth for Christ and mm. other organizations and anytime any bit of research comes out you see sort of a flurry on twitter and social media and because it, it is interesting mm. isn't it like yeah finding out whether the stuff that we do has any impact, what do young people really think. Yeah. And Lucy, you get excited by research, don't you? <laughs> yeah, I, I do, I, I do you see, yeah. You see surveys everywhere. <laughs> I do, I, I do. I,
2: I have a, I have a friend who is constantly um, ribbing me about this because I do, I just, anything that I'm vaguely curious about, I think, oh, that'd, be a, that'd make a great PhD. Wouldn't that make a fantastic piece of research? And it's, and you know, most things do not need to be researched, but it is true that I... Um, I love the opportunity to look in depth at something which has been maybe taken for granted. So often in, 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 in all our worlds, whether it's youth work or anything, we have um, beliefs about what we do and how we work and how things are that become, that almost take on kind of mythical mm-hmm. status and they get repeated all the time. Um, and whether or not they bear out your own experience, if you, we repeat them often enough they become true.
1: So this is really interesting because I am the architect of some of this stuff. Really? Yes, because I don't know if I've mentioned it recently, but I used to be the editor of Youth Work magazine. Yeah. And, you should
0: uh, put money in the jar. You know, I think you I mentioned it last week, that. didn't you I? You could fund this podcast. But when
1: I was editor of Youth Work magazine,
0: yeah. I
1: um, <laughs> I used to get phone calls from people where they would ask me what I thought was my opinion on things. And so very famously, somebody who will remain nameless, was quite senior in the sort of evangelical world, rang me up and said how many full-time youth workers do you think there are and i said literally finger in the air based on how many people have come to a conference and a couple of book sales figures i'd seen oh about seven or eight thousand right i tell you that is the source of the then the the thing that has gone around for the the following 10 years the idea that we have seven to eight thousand full-time youth workers in the uk there is no other statistic source for that that it is just that then yeah. after that they went and did a presentation at church house where they quoted me yeah. and said oh well uh, a, a leading source <laughs> puts the number wow. between 7 and 8000 yeah. and it became like truth yeah and then for years we've just been i mean i don't know it could be 15000 it yeah. could be 3000 yeah. we we really had no idea i had no idea i feel quite responsible yeah we need research
2: uh, yeah. that that is a perfect example of what happens and i think um you know, with how many full-time youth workers there are, it's, it's more the interpretation that's then put on that, that potentially shapes people's worlds. Mm-hmm. So if what comes out of that is, oh, there's, I mean, and relative to the number of young people that there are, that's not many, um, uh, that there's a crisis in youth work. And therefore, and all these kinds of responses come from some, somebody's kind of finger in the wind estimation. Um, But other kind of narratives that take on kind of mythic status might be about the fact that everything is going wrong, or that everything has changed, or that young people are all dot dot dot. And anyone I'm sure who works in youth work probably doesn't propagate those kinds of myths because you know young people and you know that they are people that are young and Mm. life is more complex than that. But I think the work of research should be. Um, to test this stuff out yeah. so but but that's got two parts to it one is to um, give us some of the knowledge that I mean we, we can be more confident about set, describing the world we're in but also to be able to say we don't know that yeah. <laughs> and actually not saying we don't know um, is is I think a really important thing to say um, and and it's absolutely fine to say we don't know but what I think is this um, but having the the um, yeah, just having the good sense to be able to kind of separate those things out and, and say, you know, your estimation as someone who works in the youth ministry world is really valuable. So I don't believe that researchers and the knowledge that we produce is more valuable than the experience of youth workers. I think it's different. Yeah. Um, so, but I think it's needed.
1: Probably more valuable than the absolute guesses of a man on a deadline <laughs> I say, who was trying to get rid of this guy. Yeah,
2: yeah, absolutely. And One of my favourite things to do... Um, <laughs> This is total geekdom, is to track down statistics to their source mm. and find out the spurious places that they came from. So I was, in fact, last week for, um, for chapel, so we do kind of chapel at Youthscape and I was in charge of having to kind of bring something to the team for half an hour. And um, I wanted to talk about um, something called the Hawthorne effect, which, sorry, is this too... Can no, I can talk great. about this? Okay. No, so I want to great. talk about... You've we've gone very quiet. The oh, Hawthorne effect, which is a form of observer bias. Which is essentially uh, so. There's this story which um, I have heard sort of told to me in um, in kind of a, a seminar, kind of leadership coaching seminar, where um, a, a bunch of researchers were sent into a factory in Illinois in the 20s as part of a series of. It's the, it was the Hawthorne factory as part of a series of um, um, experiments, and they were looking at productivity and what affects productivity. So you had a bunch of um, guys with, um, uh, I guess. Like clipboards, clipboards and pens. And what they were doing is they were, they were changing the light levels in the factory to see whether greater light affected productivity or. Um, and uh, the way that the story came to me as I heard it, was that um, uh, they, they kept thinking that when they went in they turned the light up and then they went in with the clipboards and productivity increased. And then when the light levels returned to normal and the clipboards disappeared, productivity went back to its normal level. And the conclusion was, turn the lights up, which they did, and then very quickly, after two weeks, productivity returned hmm. to the level it was before. And the lesson that came came from this was it wasn't the light, it was being observed. Yeah. It's the fact that anyone turns up with a clipboard and watches what you're yeah, doing, yeah. you're gonna work harder. Because what are they, why are they there? Yeah. Is this to do, am I gonna get fired? Yeah. It's being observed. So the Hawthorne effect is, has become shorthand for a form of observer bias, which is important if you're interested in research because if you turn up and observe anything, it changes. Mm. And the point I was gonna make in chapel was, the way that we are viewed, the way that we believe God sees us, massively affects how we show up every day to whatever we do Um, in the same way that you know God is not there with a clipboard um, observing us getting on with our everyday life. God is like the sun just shining on us with all this warmth and love. But obviously being a researcher I couldn't just take the Hawthorne effect as red so (laughs) off I went looking for the Hawthorne effect in the data and it turned out that this wasn't really what happened in in the Hawthorne experiments at all. Um, it's a brilliant anecdote, yeah. and it's true, but it's not what happened in the Hawthorne experiments. I'm really ah. sorry to have to tell you that, because I feel like having just set that up... You oh, had a great... It was, like, it was like, slightly
1: in, done thought for the day, and you don't just ruined it.
2: But this is what I love. That's what I love doing. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> because it doesn't mean that it's not true that mm. the way that we are viewed affects how we show up. And there are other studies that show that in lots of different... But what it does show is... When something kind of rings true, often we just pick it up and mm. we just run with it and run with it. And the job of good research is just to bring a bit more rigour to that and mm. to say, well, that might be true. But um, in this particular situation, um, the Hawthorne experiments were something a bit different. So, yeah.
0: And do you find when you, when you sort of drill right through to the ends? Because I think the reason we don't do that is because, oh, that's a great illustration or yeah. that's a great stat that yeah. backs up my argument. So why would I go looking for the source yes. if I just I've found yeah. what I need? Yeah. But yeah. when you get... Do you have a hunch of actually really finding out where this really comes from? What's going to be revealed is much more helpful for us, actually, even if it, it destroys the illustration or it oh, destroys yeah. the argument. That actually, you're more committed to... That's a, that is a great so, question. Is it just natural curiosity or is it because you have a hunch that really... Um, the truth sets us free. The answer is yes. Mm. <laughs> no, but what um, drives you in that? In that. Well, I think
2: quest. in the same way that I'm, I'm particularly motivated towards the idea that there is truth to be found, and therefore it doesn't matter whether the truth makes you feel better or worse. The mm. truth is just important. <laughs> um, but for somebody else, the motivation might be in a room full of people. The goal is to encourage, and yeah. so my primary motivation is not to find this. You know. No-one is going to be massively encouraged if I stand up and debunk the Hawthorne experiments from the 1920s. Um, but someone might be encouraged if you... <laughs> if you um, if may- and maybe you didn't go and find this, the, the source um, and maybe you wouldn't be expected to because, you know, not everyone is a researcher. Um, but you, you took some research in good faith and it turns out to not have not been entirely mm-hmm. right, but it's, but it's been encouraging. Um, the reason I say that is not to say don't go checking your sources, it's to say that... um. I think in the balance of community, I think it's good to have people yes. who are there fact checking. Yeah, and don't I, weaponise research. And don't, yeah, well, yeah exactly. Don't use Yeah, people. yeah, but yeah. I don't, I don't think it's kind to just debunk people's work on the basis of them not having checked every source thoroughly. There's, there's a lot of
1: gentle lying in ministry, isn't there?
2: <laughs> oh, well, Shall I'm relatively, easy? I'm relatively new to this world, so I'd have to take. Well, your but you own...
1: you're a church leader as well, so don't. Don't tell it's me you're immune a from this.
0: There's a, let me let me just okay, unpack what I mean on, yeah, by do that. Carry on.
1: Um, so uh, the first thing I mean is story conflation. So the oh, preacher okay. who stands up and goes, "I've got a great story about this thing that happened, but it didn't quite end in the right way." Yeah. But then I've got this other story over here, and if I just <laughs> steal the punchline yeah. from that story and make it the same yeah. person, yeah. I have got an absolutely brilliant main stage spring harvest talk. Yeah. And and so I'm not suggesting anyone has ever done that yeah. spring harvest, yeah. but um, but the the, uh, the sort of the temptation, as you say, to yeah. encourage people, yeah. almost outweighing the fact that you might have to tell a slight little yeah. white lie. Well, as on it were. yeah,
2: on that, you know, I do feel strongly that real life is where God is, mm. and so if you have to change it to find God, God is not big yeah, enough. You find mm. it. Yeah. Um, yeah. So I think if I think if people are changing stories. Then it's because they're, on some level, they're afraid that God is not present in the world Mm. as it is. And I don't think that's true.
1: But the other place it happens is around numbers. And so, and of course, this is where we get into research and statistics. um, The temptation to justify yourself Mm. when you look at the numbers of how many people are booked onto your event, how many people became Christians at your event. Um, I'm always uh, I mean I love Soul Survivor I'm very biased about Soul Survivor I love the fact that they they always publish a number of young people who've come forward each year to uh, give their lives to Christ yeah. as they like to say yeah. uh, and uh, and the number is always something really random like 1046 or something yeah. <laughs> and it does feel very like it feels real it feels like they have actually done Someone a was there
2: clicking on it, yeah.
1: but I think uh, otherwise I think often we can say you know thousands came you know hundreds of thousands you know this this um i i I remember reading the bio of a pastor who coincidentally has a christian television ministry uh who who was claiming that when he was involved in uh ministry in albania hundreds of thousands came to christ you know which is a lot of people if you think of hundreds of thousands (laughs) that's getting on towards a million people you know, and, and for street ministry, I mean that is impressive. That but how is, did he, how is. did he even do it? Yeah. But I think, I think on a smaller scale, I think we do just evangelisticity is the word, isn't it? Oh, okay. You know, people yeah. just tend to like to yeah. exaggerate, and and again, it comes back to this thing of yeah. a misguided sense of wanting to encourage one another. Yeah. So if I tell you the, that actually we ran this whole mission and mm. one person yeah. asked to come to an alpha course and it was because they were hungry. Then you know yeah. the, the, um, the the people aren't going to be very encouraged yeah. by that. Whereas if I just play with those statistics a bit, then then actually everybody mm. will continue to support my ministry mm. and feel very encouraged that their prayers were answered. Yeah. And I think I think this is a real problem. Yeah. And I think you are the solution.
2: Well, that's um, terrifying. <laughs> um, if that is true, then yeah, I think I think that is a problem because what that does is. Um, everybody is pulled into that same culture so 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 if everybody if if everyone perceives that everyone else is doing that and everyone else is talking in those ways um and everyone else is inflating then that kind of that it's essentially a fear of us judging one another at its heart it's it's everybody standing up and going i'm a bit afraid that what i've done or my thing is not good enough and that you're going to judge me and i don't want you to um so any opportunity we have to just be straightforward and honest about um, what what we think has happened um, allows someone else to, A, validate their own experience. And what that does is so disarming, isn't it? In my experience, when someone else just says, this is what happened, they might be a bit disappointed about it. Actually, it validates your own experiences of, yeah. of, of reality or whether that's disappointment or whatever it is. Um, but it, it also challenges that culture. And again, I just think it really allows... Um, it, it, I think it allows God to be more present, actually, yeah. and it allows us to take the, our real experiences, whether it's hundreds of thousands, maybe it was just a hundred, and I've been wonderful, Albanian minister. Mm. Um, it allows us to take those back to God and make sense of them with. Because if mm. we, if it is about numbers, then um, <coughs> if we really think it's all about numbers, uh, then I, I, where, what room is? It? That is there in that? But mm. I think for I think the gotcha.
0: Holy Spirit mm. and for and obedience. And... complicated journeys of life. Yeah, that. So, yeah. So there's a kind of research which is around the figures post an event, and we do talk about that quite a bit, don't we, in the podcast? Because I think it's a trap that many of us feel. We need to be able to say to our PCC or to the parents, the church or to the school's ministry, actually X number of young yeah. people responded, because it's a way of measuring the work that's gone into it. But research is also about considering the landscape. What are the barriers to young people engaging in? X, Y, and Z. So research isn't just what happens yeah. at the end, but what is informing us going into a project. And yeah. I, and I, as a youth group, we we're interested also in thinking: mm-hmm. Do young people think about prayer? And do they think mm-hmm. about life after death? And what mm-hmm. are their questions about God? And we're kind of mm-hmm. wanting to ask those big questions about our very engagement. Yeah. Yeah. So are you? You've been on, on board about three months, Lucy. I know you come from a massive youth um, research background around CSE mm-hmm. and vulnerable children. But what are you seeing? As some of the the trends in youth ministry, what are some of the things that you think actually over the next year, youth ministry in the UK, whatever the context, whether we're working in schools, on the streets, mm. in employment, homelessness, church-based stuff, mm. what are some of the interesting questions that we need to start digging into? Do you think, in terms of young people?
2: Oh, Joe, you know, I wish I had an answer to that, oh. but I don't yet. Um, but I I hope to. So I think. For me, coming into this, I'm actually fresh into the youth ministry. Well, so I think you guys actually would be better placed to answer that than I would um, around kind of trends. But I can, can, you know, from the little I've picked up, I can say what some of the questions I think we might be looking to explore around the Centre for Research. And um, I think a lot of conversation um, in um, youthscape, and I'd be interested to hear from people listening whether this is true beyond, um, has has been around um, uh, the the kind of narrative emerging from the no questions asked research that um, you would have heard about from Phoebe in the last couple of months, and that sense that um, you know, as we know, generally for, for for young people who don't come from any kind of faith background, faith is not present in any way in the foreground of their lives. It may not even be in the background of their lives, um, and so the 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 task. For those who want to open up conversations, open up the possibility of the world of God and faith and Christianity for young people is that kind of where do you go first? What is it, and that you that you kind of do if you want to create that engagement or spark that curiosity? And um, you know, there there seems to be um, a sense that um, ways of doing that that rely on beliefs that present the kind of propositional beliefs of. The kind of the, the Christian gospel, maybe just young people. Certainly, that we're working with in Luton just aren't interested in those kinds of um, ways of working, and not necessarily those questions aren't really live for them, um, um, and aren't necessarily wanting to come along to any kind of church service or youth group. And so there is a there's just this question swilling around around what is the role of um, practices, spiritual practices, or spiritual experiments? And I know this is. Um, lots of people, not just us, are thinking about this in engaging young people. So one of the findings from the No Questions Asked research was around um, uh, faith being practical, and not abstract. So um, where there is curiosity uh, amongst peers, um, around you know their friends having faith, it's around the practical difference it makes if it does make a difference. So can we see that your faith um, actually makes some demonstrable difference? Has it makes a difference in your life, but also can we see any evidence of it? Any markers of your behaviour that's kind of different? Um, and beyond that, in the wider world, like, does does faith have any use? And that's certainly something that came out of Nick Shepherd's, mm. like, yeah, book yes. Faith Generation. So one of I think our um, um, our questions, one of my questions, is who's who's kind of doing this? Are there projects out there? Are there ministries? Are there churches? Um, that are thinking as we are, okay, maybe this is or should be the kind of front foot of youth ministry for this, this phase of, of, of our work. Um, should we be offering young people the chance to experiment and practice um, with Christianity before asking them to cross a threshold in terms of belief and to explore that and see, to see what that difference that makes for them. So um, I suspect that we might do some research in the next year or so that looks at that Um, And I, yeah, I'd be really keen if there's anyone listening who is interested in that or is trying that to get in touch. Because Mm -hmm. what I'd quite like to do is do a bit travelling around the country and go and do some case studies of people who um, are trying that. Say, what have you found? What's it like if you try to engage young people first with practices of whether it's contemplative stuff or whether it's social justice and activism or whether it's um, hospitality and community. Mm -hmm. What's it like if you're trying to engage young people with living according to some of jesus teachings Mm. even before you might say i know who jesus Mm. is
0: and i have a hunch lucy that lots of my colleagues around the uk are doing this but wouldn't have been aware Mm. or named it as this um because i think actually there is a lot of wisdom and a lot of practical examples of this and actually yeah I wonder if actually part of what we're going to be doing is sort of elevating that this is a model yeah Mm. and actually there are some things that we can be sharing together about how we do this and being a bit more intentional about it and I think if I think of the young people that I know who've become Christians in their mid-teen years it is because they've joined a project that Front and Central was a a kind of a engage in this kind of life practice Mm. this lifestyle and Mm -hmm. particularly prayer is a brilliant example so many of us Have young people who are praying for each other and we're sort thinking i don't know oh, i didn't realize it mm. oh what is this mm. who are you praying mm. and it's yeah. and it's actually i think many maybe for us as youth workers to give us the confidence to say actually what they're engaging with don't be afraid actually yeah. this is a space yeah. that God, god's here and he wants to fill this space and yeah. could we develop some resources around it so so my suggestion is lovely people listening if you have a hunch that something of what you're doing even if it's not a formed program mm. but if your heart is like actually i think this is what i'm doing i mm. think this is this sits well with me. Then get in touch with us because yeah. I think you'd like to kind of have some of those conversations, even if it's not a formed program. Yes, some conversations with you workers that are thinking in this way.
2: Yeah, absolutely. Um, I think I think this is this is going to be one of those projects or one of those bits of work that is, is beyond just one specific piece of research. Yes. I think this is a conversation. Exciting. It's certainly not just us having it. And yeah. and so if we can serve that, um, and as you say, elevate what people are yes. already doing and learn from each learn, other yeah, and absolutely. really learn what you know how that's working and. And what is the, what's, you know, some of my question about that, what is the, where do beliefs come into that if, for people who do come into faith context because they've tried prayer or they've or they've got engaged in some kind of activism, uh, where do, where do beliefs fit and how, what's the journey of those things growing alongside each other? Um, so yeah, please do get, I think it's like research at youthscape.co.uk if you want to email it's me. It's
1: exactly right.
2: Is it right? Yeah. Look at that. So, um, right?
1: so we, we've talked on a big scale. Mm. Um, but on a more sort of um, local church scale, what's the place of research for every youth leader um, in helping to work out whether the the activities they're putting on for yep. young people, um, whether the stuff they're doing yeah. is actually the right stuff? Because we've, you know, I remember the losing heart research. We found this this complete disconnect between what. Um, what churches were generally talking about in youth groups, yeah. for example, and what young people yeah. wanted to talk about. Yeah. So, so I, and I expect there's a few more of those dissonances yeah. um, in youth ministry mm. on a local level. So, so what maybe is the role of of research just for anybody involved in youth ministry mm. to make their work and practice better?
2: Well, I think I think it's our task. You know, one of the tasks that we have set ourselves as the Centre for Research is to Um, create some of that new knowledge that we would it's our task to put it in people's hands Mm -hmm. because I don't think there's an expectation that um, you know a part-time youth worker or even a volunteer youth leader would spend a whole lot of time on research but um, it's our task to put it in your hands in a way that's accessible and Mm -hmm. you can make sense of I suppose that the invitation or the plea would be to just engage with that and to Mm -hmm. recognize its value Um, uh, I think so 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 there is stuff out there, you know. So um, certainly the story—if mm-hmm. you—if you're out there and you're not already getting the story, um, please do get it and then just pass it around people in your church. Because I think um, creating conversation—not just for youth workers, but um, within churches. So you know, take a copy of the story, but share it with a vicar or a minister or or your volunteers or even with your young people, and just create a bit of conversation mm-hmm. around it. Um, I think. Uh, Using research is a skill, actually. So I wouldn't have an assumption that everyone would know what to do with something that comes across, you know, your desk. You might look and go, you might be intimidated by it. Um, mm. But uh, you know, if you can find one useful or practical thing from what's coming, you know, onto your desk from the story, that's brilliant. Don't worry if you can't digest it all. Um, but yeah, so it's it's a bit of a skill. But actually, just reading it, taking it in, and um, and just thinking about the implications so if you can if you can give yourself half an hour to read the story and just ask yourself is there one thing that from this if I if I applied this to what we do we would do things differently mm. because reading research and actually applying it are two different things Yeah, <laughs> of course. Um, and and sometimes um, applying it means you need some help you need yeah. a team mm. and that's why having a conversation about what's being found um, I think just creates a bit of a culture in a church that It's a bit of a culture of humility, really, Mm. isn't it? I suppose that's what we're we're talking about, a recognition that um, the way you've done it, maybe just a bit of openness Mm. to um, doing things differently, if something useful Mm. from Mm. research. um,
0: And and maybe just having somebody to have that conversation with is enough, in a way. I was sat with you yesterday with our team, and we were thinking as a Youthscape team... What, what are we gonna do differently because of some of the findings and yeah. the no questions oh. asked? Because we, we, don't, we don't know how to respond to the research. Yeah. We need you and the team of the Centre's Research to help us too. One of the things I went away with was, one of the things you said Lucy was, of these 16 young people who we did in-depth interviews with in Luton, so very set context, 14 of them off their own back talked about prayer mm. without being asked a question about it. They just talked about it. And I went away thinking, I've been developing Romance Academy style resources for about 10 years about relationships about sex i've never once thought should prayer be a part of that resource now i haven't answered that in my head i'm going to chat with the team locally and and chat some others like beth stout and others who are you know real experts on the ground around the uk but that i think Mm -hmm. that's an example of just stopping in your tracks and thinking oh i I, I thought i knew what i was doing and it's a reminder that we don't always know Mm -hmm. and we need to be thinking differently and if Relationships are such a key part of young people's lives yeah. it's a massive thing maybe they are off their own back talking to a god or a god or to a divine force about yeah. this and maybe as a youth worker developing resource in this area i could be thinking what what would there be intersection with prayer so i think even i even though we haven't got the answers allowing mm. yourself to think mm. does this does this intersect with this and if yeah. it does how what yeah. is that is a really good starting point isn't it I, absolutely i think that's that's a great
2: example um <clears throat> of having just an assumption slightly challenged Challenged, by a new piece of information. And um, especially if it doesn't necessarily fit with your experience, it can be easy to dismiss research because it might challenge the Mm. way that you do things. Um, And it may be it's because your experience genuinely is different and you are in a different context and, and that might be true. So not everything is applicable into your context, but being willing, being open just means you might have a conversation and say, you know what I've just this, this bit of research from YouthScape's come like that doesn't is that true for our context? That doesn't sound right. Could young people really do they really want to talk about? Um, I should know that what was the losing heart, the number one it was thing for mental from health? Mental, yeah. Do yeah. young people really want to talk about mental health? Because I've never considered that, and mm. it doesn't feel like they do because they all look fine, <laughs> no, they don't they're not struggling with mental health. But if you, you know, with, with a bit of an attitude of openness and you start talking Good to your young people, yeah. you could find actually that is really that to. really is true. but... Yes. Um, or they might go, no, we absolutely just love what we're doing and we don't want to talk about it. That's not true for us here. But
0: um, yeah, it's worth asking the question. It's questions. worth asking the questions.
1: And, okay, and just to, I'm like a dog with a bone here, what I wonder is whether local church based youth workers and lead volunteers yeah. actually. <laughs> Could, would really appreciate some practical tools that help them do research ah, in their okay. context. And yeah. I wonder whether, this I'm, I feel we're having the meeting on air. Okay. <laughs> but I, I wonder whether we as Youthscape, and particularly the Centre for Research, yeah. should be producing a simple resource that people can mm. can use to do some mm. surveying. Yeah. Or an evaluation tool. Evaluating. Because like, that's
0: where it lands for us as youth workers. How yeah. do we evaluate a yeah. program?
1: Yeah. Yeah. So I don't know, maybe, maybe that's something we can do
0: yeah I, th- I think that
2: i think mean, that'd be really interesting i think um the, the very simple principle of ask young people <laughs> yeah yeah yeah. <laughs> you know you've got a program whatever but have you have you ever asked them what they're really interested in or what they want to do or what they thought of what you did and um i think there are definitely tools um and tips around how you can ask in a mm. way that mm. is gives you more yeah. valid answers yes mm. um, That's it. Yeah. um and
0: yeah because just just cause, like my little sunday morning youth group have. 17, 15, 11, 13 year old boys. If I was to say, What do you want to do next week? It would be silence. Yeah, it would yeah, be yeah. it would be suggestions that I actually couldn't implement. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. So it actually becomes a pointless exercise yeah. and then I don't do it again. But I think yeah. some mm, clever ways nuanced of asking. Ways, yeah. Um I remember a math teacher once saying to me, Well, I don't ask young people what they want in the maths curriculum. So why why so I think there's a balance, isn't there? Because <laughs> on one level there are stuff that I, as a much older disciple, really want these young people right. to wrestle with. That may, they might not be naming mm. yet, yeah. and that's okay. It is but okay. But also hearing actually, but what is what is live like? What is yeah. front and center in your life? Yeah. What are you touching every day yeah. Yeah. in culture that you need us to arm you with yes. to help you? Yeah. Um, it's not because you're broken. We want to fix you. It's because you're so much more powerful than you think you are, and we want to arm you. Yeah. So oh, brilliant. Mm. So watch this space, hey. Well. And get hold of it's
1: worth, it's worth saying, like, first of all, do do you want that sort of tool, gentle listener? Do do you want? Would that be helpful, or are is this another Martin Saunders finger in the air moment where I've I've assumed wrongly? <laughs> You've
0: not given it any stats. Can you give us a stat of how many you think will want that? I, <laughs> I, I think I I of think the seven thousand youth of the UK. seven thousand new
1: votes, I think about twelve hundred. <laughs> interestingly. Um, I'm obviously hoping uh, to ask the 4,500 people coming to the National Youth Ministry weekend (laughs) in November. Um, And it's also also worth just saying, if you would like a copy um, of the uh, No Questions Asked research or Losing Heart research, there's two ways you can get it. You can get it for free um, as a PDF on Mm -hmm. our website, youthscape.co.uk slash research. Or you can get it on our store, youthscape.co.uk slash research store and you can get a, a hard copy they're very nice Beautiful. very nice and worth keeping and they're only a fiver each yeah okay. so they are worth getting Um so that is practically cost price yeah. to you <laughs> our friends um, uh, before we finish I feel like we should do some research Right. so I'm going okay. to act as a pollster now and producer Rachel whilst you won't speak I know you won't speak not until episode 100 I hope um, I uh, would well, like you to have a vote as well okay because it just makes it more interesting because I think between us we can solve some of the great dilemmas right, of modern know. life okay so the first question is by show of hands actually show of hands isn't very visual isn't very audio is it <laughs> <laughs> too,
0: we too need visual to mm, let we go, can
1: make a noise of some yeah, sort mm. could you make an animal noise
0: no we we'll just go come mm. on <laughs> okay
1: so um, so mm. <laughs>
2: I'm so glad I left the university that I was working in to come do this kind of high-level research. It's very high-level. It. <laughs> it's just, a man had who had tried to make us do board. animal noises.
0: Go on, Carry on. No, press on, Mike. Right. What, what, what noise? Do I'm going to
1: press into all that he has. Okay. For me. So, uh, tea or coffee? Tea or coffee?
0: What time of day?
1: No, just generally.
0: Coffee.
2: Mm. Coffee. Moo. Mm. <laughs>
1: Is that milk in one of them? Which one?
2: This is a really good example of applause. how not to ask questions. Yes. I can't say tea or coffee. You have to Tea or coffee, everyone knows what You're I mean. To say coffee. But which what response is tea and which one response is coffee? Just just tell me the answer. Okay. You like coffee, so the answer for you is coffee. No, you, that, do you what? want a coffee? What? We can go and get you one.
0: What?
1: <laughs> right. So that's that's two this for is coffee.
0: for so what? I knew
1: this would end badly for yes, me. Yes. Right. Producer Rachel, hand up for tea. Yes, it's tea. Okay. okay. So one for tea two for coffee, yes. and then Lucy, you have the casting vote as head judge Lynn.
0: Tea.
1: Tea, so oh. it's, wow, so as it turns out, we've discovered that tea and coffee are equally valid.
0: Oh, because you have coffee as well. Yeah, okay. So look at that. There we go, that was a really, I think that was a great bit of research, yeah. I to say. That just feels so beneficial. We should
1: put that on the back cover of the next issue of the I story. Think so. I think can so, Can I do one more? Oh no. yes. Okay, oh, right, so this is free form, so I'm going to new territory here. Uh, what is the greatest sitcom of all time
2: oh wow yeah
1: greatest TV saying. sitcom of all time Rachel gonna be, producer Rachel is going to be difficult for you you're going to have to mime it <laughs> can you write it down on a piece of paper or something I think
0: she'll say Friends are you saying Friends she doesn't no. like Friends no um, I, I I think probably the answer on one level is Friends but it's not for me I love Parks and Recreation I wow okay oh, all so time brilliant. well but then what does all time mean like would I, I can wonder- tell you what all time means <laughs> it means all time <laughs> no but Want To watch Friends, or no, 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 for me, it would always be Parks and Rec. Parks and Rec. I just love that. Okay. I love Leslie. Wow, she's okay. just amazing. Oh. Lucy, just you, making me want to watch.
1: Parks I fear I'm gonna get not the question, the answer I want it's subjective,
0: isn't it? It's subjective. I haven't watched that many, that's really sad. But of the ones you've
2: watched, um, because. We used to watch this when we came back from swimming when I was oh. about seven or eight. We went swimming and then we got to have some knickknacks and then we got to watch Faulty Towers with oh. my dad and stay up late. So because that is a special memory, it's Ash- obviously Faulty Towers. Actually, Faulty Towers yeah. is a good call, actually. It's a bit old school, but Do you know what though? I So full. I've just
1: started watching Faulty Towers with my twelve year old and he cries with laughter. Does he? He thinks he it's the funniest <laughs> thing he's ever seen. So that is where I would Keys. vote as well. Ah. Rachel? No, producer Rachel just shaking her head at that. No. We'll never know. She's shaking
0: her head at we'll us. never know
1: what she thought. But do you know what? If I go faulty towers as well, that is a that okay. is a landslide. But,
0: is. but the example now is, what what's your point, Lucy, of what happens with that research? Like how do we extrapolate that? Like do what, what does that do? Shall we
1: create a faulty towers-based youth ministry resource?
0: No. So there we go, there's pointless research. Oh. <laughs> um
2: <laughs> faulty logic towers oh. which is like um, when Youthscape Centre for Research goes bad yeah so um, love it it's
0: very good alright anyway I, I feel like right I've there. been
1: beaten to a pulp no Martin today.
0: you are awesome I we just love, love that you wanted to ask any questions about research it's been lovely oh okay well oh that's great someone's coming in quick
1: quick should we end this quickly
0: (laughs) we're not allowed to be in this room we love you guys we want to do some shout outs don't we to some brilliant youth workers so Stephen Mitchell we hope you're having a good day and Claire Wallace we love you yeah
1: hello to Paul Window and you've already had one shout out but we'll give you another Beth, Beth, shout Beth. out Stout.
0: Wow, we love you mm-hmm. Beth. So, um, yeah, do get in touch if you want to get hold of any of the research we deliver here. If you want to get in touch with Lucy and say, actually I'm developing this kind of youth ministry, can I chat more? Lucy will get in a little cart, she'll drive around the UK, she'll come and find you and that'll be awesome. Yeah. So have a great day.
1: And give us, give us, give us money. On Patreon. Sorry, I should have said that in a more nuanced way. <laughs>
0: give <laughs> us money <laughs> just get into it somehow we have we a don't we care have a patreon how it gets here just oh it's patreon there we it's go it's
1: a Dot org.co. .org.
0: .org.
1: No, how long it. has the internet been a thing when was the last time you heard of .org.co
0: <laughs> it's www.patreon.co. Patreon.com slash give us money. Goodbye. No, it's not. (laughs) Money is actually leaving the account right right now. I feel
1: like the people who already are our Patrons are going to stop being, and it's your fault. (laughs) It's (laughs) patreon.com. It's patreon.com slash youthscape. Uh, And what we ask is, if you are a regular listener, would you consider giving us $1 a month? You don't notice it, and I can tell you that because I... Have you become a legend. I'm gonna receive my reward in full at this oh, point. But you
0: become a patron. I am I
1: am right, one actually. of the patroners. Patronizers. Patron Patronizers. Do
2: you listen to the podcast?
1: Not as much as Rachel does. Okay. Rachel listens to every episode several times. <laughs> Rachel is her own super fan. Yes,
0: <laughs> I check for Libel, that's what I'm checking for. Yeah, anyway, enough of this. That's Let's wrap this up. It's Let's wrap right. this up because we love our listeners. Lucy, so do you want to do
1: the outro and say goodbye to the listeners?
0: Goodbye.